Welcome to the Engineering Path. I'm your host, Lydia Spiroslavsky, and I'm here today with Jack Skelly, writer, musician, and author of The Complete Fear of Kathy Acker, to be published by Semiotext on June 6th. Originally written and published in excerpts in the 1980s, Fear of Kathy Acker will soon be available in its entirety for the first time. Skelly's secretly legendary novel, as at once an homage to the thrillingly inventive spirit of Kathy Acker's cut-up novels, and a definitive history of LA's underground culture of the mid-80s. Dennis Cooper considers it one of the great lost masterpieces of 80s experimental fiction, and Matt Graham has called it a work of unhinged genius. That's pretty high praise. I love that. I'll take it. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lydia. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So first, I wanted to get into the backdrop of Fear of Kathy Acker, which I think from here on out, we should probably just refer to as FOCA for convenience. Sure. So I want to get into the backdrop of FOCA, which is 1980s Los Angeles. Brett Easton Ellis published a novel earlier this year that's set in L.A. in the early 80s, which kind of harkens back to his first book, Less Than Zero, which depicts L.A. in the mid-80s as this sort of dark and decadent playground. So I'm curious about how that particular moment in time informs your writing and your outlook. Well, that's a great question. At the time, it... When I wrote it, it wasn't a look back at all, of course, because I wrote it in the 80s, right. in Los Angeles in the 80s. So when they say in, in their jacket copy, it's the definitive history of L.A., it wasn't meant to be that. It's just kind of lucked out that a lot of the places and people have survived to this day, and there seems to be some relevance to the ideas in the book as well. So, But if your larger question is, what did the 80s have to to do with it, I mean, everything, you know, it was just kind of, that was the environment that the book was written in, in Los Angeles, yeah. Right. Well, there are several moments throughout the book in which you condemn this consuming culture of network TV. At one point, the narrator, Jack, is berated by a night nurse for watching TV, and she tells him that TV creates false categories of thinking, she says the categories which reach the largest demographic groups are sex and uncontrollable paranoia. These two can sell anything, especially when used together. And so I do feel like there's some prophecy at work in FOCA, especially when you get into this idea of people clinging to these delusions of being celebrities um, in their own right and speaking in scripts. So, I, yeah. I mean, I'm curious, was this critique of media and celebrity culture prevalent at the time? Because it seems like these are somewhat more familiar talking points now, but the situation is obviously a lot worse in some ways. So people have had to acknowledge it. I mean, at that time, of course, network TV was like the dominant sort of cultural engine. Yeah. And critiques of network TV were not unusual. Somebody wrote, called it the vast wasteland or something like that, the vast cultural wasteland. So that's kind of an obvious point to make. And so I kind of, like everything in this book, I'm kind of making fun of that idea, even as I'm embracing it. So these network categories, you know, that you mentioned, network reality engulfs us. 
in the final network category is what uncontrollable paranoia and sex yeah <laughs> so the idea is that there's these types of tv shows or specials that are appearing and i'm just making fun of them like but there are special events tvs like must watch tv or whatever and then but definitely sex is still there mm-hmm. and uncontrollable paranoia is kind of like don't you think like now we have social media which right. is even more insidious yeah. than network tv and even more all-encompassing and probably much more dangerous but yes, uncontrollable paranoia and sex seem to dominate there as well. Yeah, definitely still relevant. Uh, in another critique of network reality, Jack goes off on a rant about the nature of language, which I really liked. He says, language is the tool of the visionary, the anarchist, the child, the artist, the saint. Everything else which sounds like language, but is really words used to corrupt people or chop them into little bite-sized pieces is not language, but clop. Only language can save us from clop. Only a visionary apprehension of a reality will repel the vast clop of corporate verbiage. And so I think if anything, there's also been a proliferation of clop since you wrote this in the 80s. I think you could argue that chat GPT shits clop, but I'm also a little bit biased. Um, So I'm wondering how you recommend writers and sense makers navigate clop in this time. It's interesting. It takes me back to our prior discussion that we had about language when we did this uh, Q&A for Uncensored New York, and you brought up the Burroughs' phrase, uh, language is a virus, and that fit into some of these passages in FOCA pretty well. And the overall point that I think that we talked about that then too, is that language, of course, is this construct of culture. And by definition, it's an artificial construct. It's kind of like the system by which we sort of navigate reality with each other. And then, of course, language, you know, in the 20th century becomes more and more, you know, as capitalism sinks its claws into it, becomes more and more uh, a tool for oppression and manipulation. But it's still language, right? It's still a construct of the human imagination. So um, there are ways to break, to, to try to pry the maybe the inherently visionary source of language away from the clock. Mm. And the, uh, that is, and one of those ways may be to do what Kathy Acker did, which is to, um, you know, destroy the conventions of the novel or the, of language, the, you know, the terms and conditions of it by just destroying it, you know, manipulating it, uh, undercutting it, um, whatever, deconstructing it, they used to say. So, you know, she does that a lot, and this book kind of points towards that. Well, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and that leads into my next question, which ties into Kathy Acker's approach. Um, so in the afterword, Sabrina mm-hmm. Tarasov writes, Focus many, many scenes are imagineered encounters with the self's boundaries. It helps to think of Jack as a black hole, absorbing everything that comes his way. Countless hours are spent calling into the caverns of the night mind, searching for a proof of self in fuckable crevices of the cutie verse. 
Um, so I, I recognized a lot of Kathy Acker in this bending um, of identity and reality through mediums of drugs or dream states. And mm -hmm. so how much of the word world building in FOCA was influenced by her approach to disrupting traditional narratives and playing with this notion of a fixed identity within a story. I mean, it's crucial that the, 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 in, in Fear of Kathy Acker, this theme of search for identity comes up again and again, yeah. and it gets increased. Like everything else, there's like a, a comic side to it or kind of absurd, reductive side, and then kind of a little bit more cosmic or metaphysical side to it, or combinations of the two. So, um, you know, it's, so Kathy Ecker did that. This is not, again, I should underline, it was not an homage to Kathy Ecker. It's not a, you know, an analysis of Kathy Ecker, but there are points in which her approach just kind of boomed in my brain. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I do quote from her a little bit here and there, but overall, the I think we were kind of on the same track or she allowed me to run down this certain track that later on, you know, this whole auto fiction theme became very big, but, and that relies, that whole concept of auto fiction relies on this kind of search for identity. Who is the narrator? Who is the I that is speaking? Right. You know, there's this passage, maybe I could just read it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, and a lot of it hinges in like these experiences that the narrator has either on drugs or having an acid flashback or having just uncontrollable paranoia, <laughs> fits of uncontrollable paranoia and sex and desire. And he says, um, all of which means my ego has slipped out. And this is not the glorious universe and unity ego disintegration that Alan Watts talked about, nor is this a vision of the oversoul ergot who timelessly waits for all humanity to remember itself, piercing the wall of illusion, exploding into unity. For now, I know I'm a human being in this body, but who am I? And who are these people that I call my friends? Who is Michelle Clinton? Michelle Clinton was one of our friends at this time. Who were the people that surrounded me at Bob Flanagan's party when I was too stoned on mushrooms? And why were they all pointing at me and laughing? How did I seem to mount the dust moat passing my eyes and ride it into the circling, expanding molecules of the living room wall? Or how did I remember such hallucinations when I forget what exactly, quote, I was slash am, etc.? So it kind of goes on like the narrator is constantly trying to understand who he is and where he fits in, quote, reality. Right. And drugs kind of either enhance or distort his perception of moving through this this image-based reality and trying to make sense of these things and right. absorbing these things uh whether he likes it or not right um and as as you've alluded to focus also undeniably a pretty horny read <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the very beginning of the book jack is walking around the mall super stoned 
and he starts catastrophizing about the state of America and where it's headed. But this line of thinking is completely derailed when he sees several mannequins in a lingerie store window on all fours with their asses in the air. And then at another point, he mentioned... What a fucking pervert. (laughs) (laughs) Seems pretty standard to me. Uh, Okay. At another point, he mentions that he's picked up this kink for fucking women dressed in the trappings of Hollywood magazine glamour. And so there's... Yeah, there's this kind of conflation of sex and consumerism and the suggestion that it's a pretty wicked form of manipulation. So that's one, I guess that ties into like one thought of what what consumption is as as a consumer, as as a young man. Um, But at the same time, Jack also critiques what he refers to as the moving up sophisticates and upscale urbanites who he characterizes as deaf consumers hypnotized mm-hmm. and hell-bent on buying more shit. Uh, <laughs> right. So in both, both instances expose these universal fixations on products of popular culture and consumption of images and how they inform or influence our lives. And I noticed that this theme can also be traced into more of your recent work. And mm. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that and why you think that's an enduring theme in your work over the years. Yeah, wow, that's a big one. So um Definitely the sort of sex as material theme also erupts several times in Fear of Kathy Acker. And there's a lot, there's kind of these extended sort of rants about his character's love for women that is continuously undercut by his um, self-awareness, self-consciousness, very self-conscious narrator paranoid self-paranoid uncontrolled paranoia who um is rethinking just doubting himself at all times but still sort of going with it and i'll I'll answer your question in a second but there's another little section this is on page 52 where he goes um i keep writing and i'm writing about greed and jealousy and corruption and my sadness over lost loves relationships that that should have worked out and made me and girlfriend happy forever but didn't because I fucked up I was selfish and I wanted every girl in the world at once I wanted to fuck every woman I looked at through my windshield because I'm so full of the sex as material bullshit of the culture that makes me want glossy images of girls when all the time the most beautiful sweet loving girlfriend in the world was on the car seat next to me And she was my little girl and she was my little baby and she was my sweet little darling baby girl that I held in my arms all night long. And I held her little head in my arms and I held her little round ass in my hands all night and fucked her again in the morning. She goes on and on. So let me try to steer this to your question, which is like what I'm writing now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never stopped writing about sex and romance. I, you know, it's just one of those themes. It's just, well, it's it's kind of everybody's theme, right? I mean, 
it's it's eternal sort of the foundation of literature um now it's diverging into these kind of even more perverse ways i'm just very fascinated by images of sort of uh biomorph body biomorphism and sort of transsexualism and um how that fits into sort of the evolution of human consciousness and the evolution of the human species and i just really like to explore these themes a lot they're just so fun you know there's there's so much going on right now with um uh, you know um hrt and um um just you know implants uh, mental and bodily implants which is because the 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 technology is speeding so fast in all these areas so it's great fodder for art right now so i'm working on a series of what i'm calling theories of eschatology eschatology is the the it's the um it's a, a theological term for the study of the end of time or the end of the universe and i think sometimes maybe we're heading towards the end of time so it's kind of like a race as to whether we're going to make it or not as a species but in the meantime these themes of like human um transformation really fit into that and sexuality is a huge part of that yeah does that make sense yeah yeah i'm excited to read this this new work of yours oh good um do you want to get into what's in store for june and july in terms of the events you have lined up yeah okay let's talk about that that's great so uh actually you and i lydia are going are collaborating on two launch events for fear of kathy acker where do you and i are doing one event in new york july 1st produced by uncensored new york and uncensored new york puts together amazing you know sort of vibe heavy events which you've been a bit a part of already this is my first time doing one with you guys and that's going to be at the John Giorno Foundation but if everything goes right you and I will create sort of a multimedia experience based on some of these foca texts yeah that's the plan um i know it's going to be great right and then um we have a lot of other sort of guests uh, whatever special guest stars at that event also there'll be another new york event july 28th at powerhouse arena in brooklyn where i'll be talking with stephanie lacava author and then there's one what's that june 28th right june 28th did i say july yeah june 28th there's another june 16th i believe here in la with chris kraus at skylight books um and then there'll be a fourth event in back in back in la in late july at poetic research bureau where hopefully you and i will do our thing again but also have special guest stars there so I'm very blessed to have be working with uh you and a very other a lot of other very creative people. Yeah, yeah, it's a killer group of people. Um it Really is. Yeah, lot lots to look forward to in the coming months. Do you want to wrap with one last reading? Sure. Should I pick out something? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, let's see. I was going to You know, let me go back to this sex as material theme again on page 76 there's this um okay it's the beginning of a section it leads into a section called dear marcy 
which is one of the sections that you and I are working on. But right before that, the narrator says, I'm stuck in a world in a swirl of girls, a whirlwind spin out drunken sorrow carousel of pure love with layers of them, walls of wind and lips blowing out and mouthing lips shifting in there with eyes and pink lips showing and pink lipstick and corners of eyes, dark mysterious corners of eyes glimpsed in the rear view mirror or blinking from the tumble of hair on pillow or open a slit in the middle of the night in a dream of a fuck or a fuck like a dream or a dream of a fuck in Hurricane Shirley, Hurricane Gurley who swings around me girl, girl, girl all around me, but me just there, not where the girl is, but standing there in the middle of wind, in the still center of the eye of the hurricane of eyes, exotic Lebanese eyes, Jewish eyes, Japanese eyes, and half Japanese eyes, and quarter Japanese eyes, and bad black sister eyes, and Mexican Mayan princess eyes, and eyes of girls all over the world who came here on the carousel hurricane, me standing in the middle alone, still, quiet in the center, looking up at a tall moving wall. And where can I go when I'm stuck in a storm and can't escape? Damn, dang. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jack. And thanks again for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Lydia. It was really fun.